0: A sub-adult male and a female or a nursing female are basically indistinguishable. And anybody who states otherwise is not telling the way it is. This is Defender Radio.
1: I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers. Brought to you by the fur bearers. Well, there's no nice way to put it. The Ontario government wants to make permanent the spring season for killing black bears. Here's a quick history lesson before we get into this issue and the interview. A spring season for hunting black bears was cancelled in 1999 when the Ontario Progressive Conservatives faced evidence of increased orphaning of bear cubs among other environmental concerns. In 2014, the season was reintroduced by the Ontario Liberals in response to alleged conflict in communities. By 2016, the government had changed their tune to the economic boon of such a hunt, with the alleged conflict as a secondary argument often not even acknowledged. Now, under the Ontario Progressive Conservatives once more, the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry is proposing that the spring black bear hunting season be made permanent. There's a whole lot of reasons the Ontario spring black bear hunt shouldn't exist at all, let alone be made a permanent fixture. To explore the myriad of reasons it's a bad idea and more completely outline the harm this hunt can and does cause, I was joined by bear expert Mike McIntosh of Bear With Us Sanctuary and Rehabilitation Center here in Ontario. And one last thing before we dive in. Even if you don't listen to this whole episode, please go to thefurbearers.com to take action. You can find the link in this week's show notes too. The Bears Need Your Voices let's get into it here we are again i guess is the place to start um we've had this conversation in the past i think both in 2014 when the hunt was uh the spring bear hunt was announced as a two-year pilot project two years later when they said we're going to expand it again for four or five years and we're right back at it um i i I'm not sure the easiest place to start, though, but why don't we go back to 2014? Because I think there's some elements of what was said then that really matter now. Uh, And as far as I recall from our conversations and, and my reading at the time, the Ontario government was very convinced that instituting a spring bear hunt was the best way to keep communities safe from bears and prevent conflict with bears.
0: Well, I think they knew that's probably a total falsehood, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. But I think uh, more importantly, that current government, the Liberals, was hoping by doing such a thing, they might get more votes from the northern part of Ontario. And we know how that ended up.
1: Yep. Uh, it's it, it, it was very clearly political at the time. Uh, I think pretty much all commentators saw that clearly. But they, re- they really did try and pitch it as a community safety issue. And we know now what we knew then, and that is simply that a spring bear hunt has nothing to do with conflict issues. Uh, in your experience, how do those two things stack up?
0: The spring bear hunt and bear conflicts? Mm-hmm. Well, first, no, they don't have, they're not, uh, they're not really, a spring bear hunt is not gonna affect the conflict situation. Uh, people's behavior, garbage disposal habits and bird feeding, that's what affects it. And that doesn't change whether they're hunting or no hunting. We have to encourage people to make the change, not not put it on the bears. Yeah. And that's I mean, it's the same thing we're dealing with out west. We're dealing with pretty much
1: everywhere in Canada where there is wildlife. We deal with this issue and almost every time it comes down to human behavior, attractants, et cetera. So we can kind of get that out of the way that when the government brings up the safety aspect, it really is just them reaching for a reason to fill in the political blank. But now they're saying, uh, as they did in 2016 after that first initial run through, that this is really good for the economy and it's sustainable, so why not do it? And I'm going to pose that question to you. It's good for the economy.
0: It is technically sustainable, so why not do it? (laughs) Well, I guess uh, because somebody can make a few bucks at it. I think, too, you know, so say it's good for the economy, but, you know, um, I think a lot of other things that are concerned uh, are considered nowadays to be totally unacceptable. Would also be good for the economy. So why we, why don't we do that? Mm-hmm. Like sell uh, hardcore drugs on the street? Yeah, make a lot of money if we legalize some of that stuff. That's right. So, um, and you know, I think they exaggerate the economical benefits. They don't. They don't consider how uh, how valuable our natural wilderness with the wildlife intact is to those people who come here as tourists and want to see these animals uh, minus the clear cuts and the ATVs and the ATV trails and the dead animals, you know, that are happening both in the spring and the fall. Well, absolutely. And I was just talking about this and I, I can't remember
1: if it was with a colleague or with a friend and saying, I would absolutely love to go to Northern Ontario. I'm in Hamilton, so Southern Ontario in the urban areas. I'd love to go North, drive for, you know, three or four hours or take a train up uh, or a bus and go and be led on some wildlife and foraging tours during the day. Then sit around a campfire at night and look at the Northern lights while drinking whiskey and eating fresh bannock. Like I would hands down put my money into that for a vacation. And it's surprising to me that we're just talking about a bear hunt if we're talking about economics of Northern Ontario in tourism. That's right.
0: Yeah, and you know they they extrapolate those numbers. They they anticipate how many people are going to buy gas and mm-hmm. buy groceries. That, that's uh, it's it's quite frankly a lot of baloney because um, it's all on estimates and how much these people may spend if they go to Northern Ontario to shoot a bear. Or it's on self-reporting. So, well, I spent $100
1: on gas for the weekend when they may have spent $10. There's no way of knowing.
0: Well, a lot of the reasons for bringing the spring bear hunt back were uh, promoted and uh, spread by the hunting organizations, the, uh, the activists. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, like, it, they, they made up the stories because nothing's true about it. The government just happened to parrot those same stories. Yeah,
1: it's, they're just taking the narrative. And that's something we see, I think, in a lot of wildlife and wildlife management ancillary issues. Um, I know in BC, again, uh, we just went through the proposed hunting and trapping regulations, um, and we just went through this general input on wildlife management in British Columbia. And almost everyone involved comes from the consumptive side. So by consumptive, I mean people who use wildlife directly through hunting, trapping, etc., uh, where they take the animal or take something from the animal. Whereas wildlife photography, bird viewing, um, general nature hikes all of these other things are non-consumptive they don't take things out of nature
0: um, no not not if they're ethical like oh uh, well, yeah that's fair point <laughs> uh, unethical photographers and and hikers can take a lot out by disturbance of that's certain wildlife species very but true in general you're correct uh, they don't animals don't die directly because of it um,
1: and it's It, again, seems to me that a lot of these skills would be transferable. And I'm going to be talking with someone who runs an ecotourism business. Uh, About, like, is this something people can actually do? Is this a real business they can get into and make money? And I'm really looking forward to that. But today, let's talk about. So, I've put together a blog on thefurbears.com, largely based on the information you've provided. You are the Ontario bear guy, um, both for, you know, rehabilitation, conflict, all kinds of other things. Um, And I thought maybe we'll just go through some of that. And the big big issue that comes up and we got to start with is the orphan bear cubs and females with cubs um the hunters and the hunting community who who support this simply say oh well we can tell and therefore uh it's fine but what's your experience and what's the information available tell us otherwise
0: they can uh what do they say they can tell mike i think i i probably know what they they, Yeah, they think they can tell that this is a mother who would have cubs with them. Yeah, they can't. I can't. You know, I look at bears from a whole different perspective than, than a hunter does. And uh, a, a sub-adult male and, and a female or a nursing female are basically indistinguishable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and anybody who states otherwise is, uh, it just may, is not telling the way it is. Bear scientists who are out there all the time, you know, they can't tell a difference. Yeah. Like a, a, a large adult male, yes, you can. However, 70% of the bears that are shot are sub-adults or females, and they're both the same size.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess the only way to be able to tell, really, is if you had kind of an extraordinary angle, um, and even then, it's not a sure thing that a, a female bear does or does not
0: have cubs. Well, Mike, uh, early in the spring, the hunt starts on May the 1st. Mm-hmm. So in the early spring... Female bears go looking for food without their cubs. The cubs aren't following along because they're unable to. They're not that mobile. They're stashed in some big tree somewhere, usually a pine or maybe a spruce. So she's hunt. She's foraging food without her cubs, and that foraging may include a bait station set up by a hunter. The other thing is the cubs are very small, so that you know they're they're around uh, three to four kilograms, if that, and um, they demand not a lot of milk from the female bear's mammary glands. Therefore, she doesn't look like she's a nursing female. She doesn't have large mammary glands like she will later in the year, such as July. So I know of cases where hunters have shot a nursing female and her mammaries were so small that they did not know the difference. So, you know, some distance away, those cubs are orphaned and starved to death and the nursing female was claimed to be just a female. Yeah. I also know a number of cases where the hunters call females males on purpose.
1: They don't report the way it is. And what are the reporting requirements? I mean, is there any way to state that the, the reporting that's happening is reliably accurate? Or is this all, again, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, kill a bear, fill out some paperwork, and no one ever sees the bear? What's the situation there?
0: Well, up until 2020, uh, reporting was optional, uh, but but uh, suggested. But uh, the reporting, uh, the uh, reliability of the reporting was very poor because a lot of guys didn't report it because nobody was, uh, was reminding them that they have to. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently for 2020, that's going to be mandatory. But they're still depending on the honesty of the individual to report accurately.
1: Right. And again, because... There is no one in the field checking on this, um, which is another point we'll get to. There's no way to know if this is reliable. We just have to presume that it is. Uh, And do we have information that indicates it may not be? I mean, I know in the trapping community, um, if I go on a trapping form, it'll take me about two minutes to find someone who said, shoot, shovel and shut up. So what are we looking at in terms of this hunting? Without individually calling anyone out of course um because well, I, I would
0: like to, i would like to think that most of the people that participate are all, you know are honest uh and take it take it seriously mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's the uh, the 20 percent or the 30 percent that are not that make it bad for everybody and shoot shovel and shut up is very common when it comes to killing bears out of season and in season uh for instance if they injure a bear and the bear runs away the you know Often they don't even bother chasing it. They just wait for the next one. Yeah. Or or if you get one that's smaller than they want, they wait for the bigger one. Then they then they claim that one and put their their uh, hunting tag on it. Yep.
1: Um, it's unfortunate. And again, is that being tracked? Of course not.
0: Um, can't. It well can't it's impossible be. to track that. Like I said before though, I I would uh, I, I believe that the majority of them are not inclined that way. But uh, there's, there's still many that are, and that, and that does a lot of damage.
1: Absolutely. Um, as is true in most situations, a couple of bad apples really can spoil the bunch, particularly when we're dealing with um, trying to monitor things scientifically in any way. Uh, one of the other points that comes up is the, the, what the season is. Right now, it is May 1st to 15th, and uh, the recommendation that you've put forward is to change that from 1st to 30th. And I should, I should say, in our article, in your article, everywhere it says, we oppose the spring bear hunt and it should be cancelled, period. Yeah. However, if it is going to go forward, these are major issues that need to be addressed.
0: And I think by putting it that way, I think, you know, Uh, from a reality standpoint, to get it abolished, which would be just the best thing in the world, highly unlikely. Mm. So let's try and make it more honest uh, and uh, more accountable. And by making it from uh, June 1st to June 30th, it's going to uh, reduce the likelihood of a female bear going to a bait site without her cubs.
1: Right. Because at that age, they'll be more likely to stay with her.
0: That's right. So, for instance, uh, many hunters will watch their game cameras and see a mother bear with their cubs uh, in the latter part of the hunting season because it runs up to June the 15th.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the early part of the hunting season, that's, mo- that's less likely. So um, I can just see that the lack of the extra 15 days causing a lot of problems. But, you know, if they want to do it legitimately and uh, think of ethics, they need to get real.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a great point. Again, that's a common sense type thing. Uh, of course, one of the things we need to talk about is baiting. Baiting is something that uh, you, in your role with rehabilitation and with conflict, uh, we, in our role with conflict and policy, uh, and everyone else, you know, our mutual colleagues at uh, Coyote Watch Canada, Wolf Awareness, etc., cetera, uh, we all regularly see the issues that come from feeding wildlife. But in Ontario, in the spring and in the fall, and I think throughout the summer right now, people can bait bears with
0: very few limitations. That's correct. So the hunting season ends and the outfitters keep on baiting the bears because they want to keep them around until the fall when the hunting season starts again. And that, and that's one more point I'd like to mention, Mike, if we uh, just now, is that when they uh, canceled spring bear hunt, they lengthened the fall hunting season. Now that now that they want to bring the spring bear hunt back, they aren't shortening the fall hunting season like they should. It's still at the same, uh, goes for the same period that it did after they canceled the original hunt. So anytime, any place north of the French River, hunters can start shooting bears again August the 15th. The bears really have little break. Hmm. It's, it's just nuts.
1: I don't know. I don't know what else to say to that. It's nuts. And it's very much Um, from what I understand, a, we do it because we can, um, not because we should. And that is something in wildlife management these days that I am having more and more trouble handling is the group of people, uh, typically from the hunting or trapping activism side saying, um, you know, Oh, we have to remove emotion from this. We have to use science to determine whether or not we can do something, but not acknowledging the fact that science can't tell you if you should. I actually have an entire episode on that uh, from a year or two uh, ago.
0: Just a and uh, science has changed now. Like uh, There used to be a time when um, government uh, ministry, looking after wildlife and other natural resources, they, they depended on their biologists and the people in the field to make recommendations. But now it's moved to pol. It's new. Moved to uh, politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. They don't uh, set hunting seasons and hunting numbers with a whole lot of um, uh, credit to the the uh, the people who are in the wildlife management field. It's done by people with those shiny shoes that are politicians that want to get voted in again in a particular area. Yeah. And so that's pretty dangerous because the the people who are making the rules are listening to the. The loud extremist activists, such as the hunting organizations in Ontario, and not paying attention to the real facts. Yeah. Um, And then we
1: start getting into issues of, um, uh, you know, uncertainty principle and um, just not knowing overall. Uh, Again, I think we need to look at what's happening around us in the world and realize the speed at which things are changing in the environments means we need to be much more adaptable than we are currently. And the old way of doing this, as you've stated, is to say, oh, well, let's, let's just extend the hunt for a political reason uh, without consideration for some of these other things. Uh, and with the baiting, again, um, one of the problems is no one else knows where the baiting piles are, because I really want to circle back to that. Um, if you're out hiking, someone can have been putting donuts on a tree stump Every day for the last four years, and you have no way of knowing until whatever animal has been feeding on that comes along to get it.
0: Well, you know, uh, let's back up to the point where the uh, there's a whole lot of um, exaggerated danger from bears hurting people. Mm-hmm. The reality is, it's those who like to use the uh, crown land, the natural areas, in a non-consumptive way, are put in danger not from the bears. But from the fact they can walk on a bait site that's not marked, and there could be a hunter sitting in a tree with an arrow, or a gun aimed at something, and they could be mistaken. Now, I don't recall that happening in Ontario, but it has happened in the states.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, the true danger comes from people with guns and bows, oh, not from sure. the animal. Not from the animal trying to shoot. And I cannot believe that the government is so um, so um, irresponsible as not to make these guys especially the outfitters, mark the big sites and mark the areas so the uh, passerby knows. Mm-hmm. And if it's Crown land, theoretically, that belongs to everybody who pays taxes in Ontario, correct? Yep. It's held in
1: public well, trust.
0: Why are we? Why are we? Why Why are are the only one group of people getting to use or abuse it? I think that's a very interesting point. And I'm going to ask you, because
1: this will come up in conversation, and it has for me, and I'm certain it has for you, uh, and, you know, in the first person, well, we hunters pay more for natural resources and conservation than anyone else. And that,
0: uh, without uh, pussyfooting around there, that's a total lie. Mm. They, they think that they're paying for their right to hunt by paying their $41 uh, fee to buy a license to shoot a bear or, or whatever. That's about all the money they donate. And that's not donating. It's like me buying my license sticker and saying that, I'm paying for the highways I'm driving on. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I, I'm, you know, my license sticker fee contributes to that, but a lot of other things too. So, um, you know, that that's a total crock and that's one of the, uh, the most widespread fairy tales that they like to promote.
1: Well, and I also know how much I give, uh, both personally as donations and also as a volunteer. The reality is... I give a lot to this, more than someone buying a hunting and fishing license does. I'll, I'll bet it's more than $40 a year, Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I can guarantee now, that. Now, if they think that they're, they're helping promote and pay for uh, wildlife management by uh, joining one of these hunting activists organizations, they're, they're totally, uh, they're totally mis- being misled because they're paying for high-priced salaries and fancy buildings in Peterborough. Uh, they're not paying for wildlife management. They're paying for a certain club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time,
1: those clubs will say things they may not agree with. Uh, I have heard that as well. People who are members of those organizations saying, I don't agree with this. But they're no. not going to come uh, out and say
0: that either. And, and you know, just, just on that point, you know, I've mentioned several times during our short conversation that uh, I'm not talking about the hunting community in general. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them do try and do the right thing even though that's their choice, you know, to kill animals. And they try and do it ethically, and they try and do it honestly. And it's a good thing, because uh, there's not enough oversight out there to uh, control everybody or keep an eye on everybody. And that's another point I've made. If the government wants to, you know, spend a whole lot of money on promoting this hunt, they better get more conservation officers out there in the field.
1: Absolutely, and that's one of the points that I uh, that I wrote, and I, I took that thought and extended it a bit, is you've got to show that there's an increase in enforcement capability through funding, infrastructure, and boots-on-the-ground hires, because how, how can you possibly
0: say this is safe, that this is good, if you're not out there checking on it? Okay, so one way to do that, Mike, will be to forget that measly drop-in-the-bucket 40 or $50 they pay to buy a hunting tag and double it or triple it. mmm make these people pay the price so true conservation can actually happen. And, uh, you know, they don't donate their own money. They only pay for what they have to. And these conservation officers would also help minimize the guys who don't want to pay anything, just poach them.
1: Yep. Um, And it would help the enforcement of poaching as well, right? I mean, that's that's certainly what they want. So I think everyone agrees poaching is bad, kind of no matter where you are on the spectrum of hunting as an issue. Um, but yeah, you know, the people who should be loudest probably are the people who want to hunt. Uh, and often that's not the case from what I've seen. And in my experience, um, the, I, it's, it's a very strange situation again too, because the way this gets told is that it's remote communities in Northern Ontario that are going to benefit from this. But, when you start looking at the map of the wildlife management units, it's really not only remote communities. Um like this starts getting pretty close around civilization as well, or not civilization. That's
0: right. it sure does. You know they can they can bait bears within five hundred meters of a of a residential area or somebody's residence. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close
1: well, and and to your point, bears aren't dangerous, um, especially black bears. Uh, I think though, when we start attracting wildlife, and again, you don't bait bears; you bait wildlife and hope bears come. I think that's an important statement to make. Um, it
0: certainly is. I, you know, they're not selective.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, the, so my dog's going to eat a donut just as fast as a bear is just as fast yeah, as and, you a know. Binkus. A lot of times
0: they don't they don't use donuts anymore. They even use kibble, dog kibble. But uh, just on that point, before we go buy it, mm-hmm. um, so a hunter sitting in a tree. And an eastern wolf or a gonquin wolf or a coyote comes to the bait site. They can blast that animal away, and nobody's going to know. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't a coyote or an eastern wolf come to the bait site? Or it could be a raccoon or ravens or anything else, you know. And, and they, there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, incidental or uh, you know other wildlife killed just because they happen to be in the wrong spot. Yep, it's it's. I think when you
1: bait, you're creating the opportunity for conflict. I think that's maybe the best way of putting it and what that conflict looks like. Again, for me, in my, uh, experience in nature, when I have come across black bears, it is to see them for maybe a half a second before they run away from me.
0: Yeah. And if they saw you half a second before you, you never see them. Right? Exactly. Um, but all of a sudden, if there's a
1: real tasty meal there and I come across that bear and I don't know what I know about wildlife and bears, I can act inappropriately uh, yeah. and cause. And you know,
0: uh, we mentioned um, non-consumptive activities that uh, people like to view these animals in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, to bait bears so people can come and photograph them—that's uh, that's almost as bad. Yeah. So you know, either way, uh, it. it Animals, the best experience in the bush is thinking you might see a bear or a moose or some other large wild animal or any animal, but also knowing that there's a really good chance you'll see nothing other than having the quiet um, chance to enjoy the fresh air and, and the uh, and the natural wilderness. Well, and that's something I've heard from hunters
1: anecdotally, and this is a complete aside tangential to the point. The number of hunters I've met, or number of trappers even I've met, who aren't that interested in killing. They just want a reason to be outdoors and the ritual of going out and waiting and watching. All of that's what appeals to them. Um, And I find that very interesting.
0: My wife and I do that a lot, Mike. Mm -hmm. But we don't take a gun. We take a camera. Yeah, and you guys get beautiful photos. Yeah, but you know, a lot of times we go through and see nothing. Yep. I take more pictures of her because there's nothing else to see.
1: (laughs) I don't know how, but I feel like you're you're going to get in trouble for that somehow. Uh, but she, Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> moving along. I, moving along. One more point I wanted to make, though. You know, we're talking about bear hunting. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing so, we're also talking about bear hunters. And uh, as you may be aware, I put out a video information about the bears and the spring bear hunt.
1: Yep, that's included um, in our blog.
0: That, uh, that video was shared onto a guy's Facebook page who is a bear hunter. And he agreed with what was said in that video. Hmm. So again, there's a guy there who tries to do things in an ethical, correct way. his point is, he said, you cannot tell it between a male and female bear. He said, that's why I only hunt in the fall. He said, I only hope I shoot a male because I don't really know until it's dead what I've shot. Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a guy who shoots bears and he's honest
1: and that I hope that those opinions are also going to be presented as part of the environmental registry. Um, and before we get to that part, there's two quick things I wanted to touch on one 2014, two year pilot project. Have you seen a report about the two year pilot project or the subsequent
0: four or five years that came after it? I, I wasn't aware there was supposed to be one, Well, I was out, I was always under the impression that to make it politically, uh, Palatable. They called it a pilot project, but it was really a permanent project right from the outset.
1: See, if it's a pilot project, then they should
0: be evaluating the results prior to making
1: it a permanent thing. That—that's well, what a pilot project is for. I, I realize that, but yeah. I think that was—I think that was another uh, political ploy. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's just—that's another one of the points of you want to do this. Show us the evidence that you've built, and the the milestones, and the statistics, and the public input, like. You, you should Maybe have had they, all this stuff.
0: That'd be a good thing to ask for on the Freedom of Information, because mm. uh, I'd be surprised if they came up with anything I, that was I think that was so. actually usable.
1: Yeah, oh, I think someone's already asked one of my colleagues. I'll I'll find out about that. Um, That's the, excellent. the second part, um, and again, this is something I don't think a lot of people know. Just like the baiting issue, is hounding and dogs for uh, for bear hunting. Uh, can you talk a bit about? what that is and what the current
0: status is on it. Well, hunting bears with hounds or dogs, um, that's cruel to the animals on several fronts, uh, to the bears for sure, and also to the dogs potentially. And um, if they say that they, don't, they know when they shoot mother bears with cubs and they don't do that, how can they suggest that a dog knows a difference? Mm -hmm. between a nursing female, a female, or a male. It just chases any animal that's going to run that happens to look like a bear. Yeah. So there's no justification for hunting with dogs at all. It should be banned. If they can't ban the spring bear hunt, ban the dogs. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, most of the the guys that hunt with dogs come from other countries, like south of us. So uh, do we want them here? Yeah.
1: And I, I, again, having witnessed, and you can look on YouTube for those with the fortitude to do so you can look up videos of what it's like for hounds or what it's like when hounds are used in hunting. It is not pleasant. It is, it's horrifying in fact for the wildlife and it can also be very dangerous and stressful for the dogs as well, who are frequently trained using shock collars and live in kennels most of their lives. Otherwise it's,
0: it's a whole thing. And if they happen to corner a, a large male decides not to go up a tree, yep. a few of the dogs may die before the hunter gets to the scene and then kills the bear.
1: Yeah. Um, it it also comes into the whole th- the concept of fair chase, um, which when exactly. we're talking about the ethics of hunting is a very important subject. Um, and that goes back to the origins of modern conservation that they so much like to cl- or, uh, uh, cite.
0: Um, well, the other thing too, Mike, is that a lot of those guys... Don't give any more concern to the welfare of their dogs than do for the bear they're looking to shoot. Yep, but it doesn't matter what uh, what species dogs are hunting for, you know. In the fall hunts, when it's moose and deer, uh, there's always dogs show up because they're abandoned or lost. Mm. Um, yeah, that's. I
1: know that's a whole secondary issue too. Um, and I think the the great place to sort of finalize is the environmental registry. Of Ontario site. Uh, This is where people can go and on various issues, submit a comment. In theory, the government, uh, in this case, Ministry of uh, Natural Resource and Forestry provides all of their information. So they say, this is our proposal. This is the current status. This is what we want to change. And here's our rationale for it. Um, It's it's a very useful tool,
0: I think, uh, but it only works when people use it um good point yeah i think it is a potentially very useful tool i'm just not sure how much it's used however let's assume it's going to be used and let's uh let's have everybody we know who doesn't uh support this hunt right into the environmental registry
1: yep and on our website thefurbears.com in the show notes for this episode on your website uh i believe you're bearwithus.org am i right that's correct. Ha, top of my head. I'm a pro. Good man. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I expect all kinds of fan mail about me remembering that website without looking it up.
0: Uh, <laughs> it
1: is truly the highlight of my week at this point. Uh, <laughs> um, but on on your website, Coyote Watch Canada has it on their website. has information on... It has your video, first of all, which is an outstanding video. Um, and it's got lots of information in that way. Your website has tons of information on coexisting with bears on... Uh, what you do in terms of rehabilitation and care for bears. Uh, But it also has the links to the exact page you need to go to for the uh, ERO. Um, Makes it easy for people. Yep, and you just click and you can type in your comment. One of the things that we bandied a bit about, and in this case we're asking people to write their own comment. Often we'll use forms because it can increase visibility and increase responses. And that's great when we are asking a specific politician to do something. But in the case of something like the environmental registry that is designed to capture individual responses... It seems logical. Uh, and, it, and frankly, it's a relatively easy website to navigate. That should also be pointed out. It's not like yeah. in BC where you've got to go through this ridiculous process of getting an ID and everything.
0: Um, and well, I think, Mike, that's a good point to make, though. It's very important that people don't say so-and-so said this. Like Mike McIntosh said the spring bear hunt should be abolished because mm-hmm. it should be the person writing. It says, I want the spring bear hunt abolished because it's got to come from first person that makes it much more powerful and makes it much more legitimate. That government, I think, tosses out things that are sent in by groups or, or form letters that are, are all the same. They certainly can.
1: Um, and that's and that's the other thing on a case like this. Don't If you see a Change.org petition, please don't share it. Please don't sign it because no one other than Change.org benefits from that petition.
0: That, that's a good point. The petition companies benefit. Uh, uh, but way back when they canceled the spring bear hunt up until nineteen uh, in 1999, Mm-hmm. Organizations who oppose the hunt, like myself and uh, other animal Alliance and other groups that were not for the hunt, were all grouped together as animal activists. And we counted as one, even though there may have been thousands of voices. Yeah. We're not going to do that again. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be part of anybody else's response. It's my (laughs) personal response. I live in Ontario. And I think that's what everybody's got to remember. That's the most powerful message. To take
1: action to protect bears in Ontario, visit thefurbears.com or follow the links in this week's show notes to our action page. You can learn more about Mike and his outstanding work for bears at bearwithus.org. I did a quick fact check. I looked up the 2014 statements made by then Minister of Natural Resources Bill Morrow, a liberal who did in fact focus on so-called safety as opposed to money. Here's the paragraph from the TVO article. Still, Morrow insists that the changes are to protect rural communities, not make money. Quote, This is absolutely rooted in our belief that there are serious consequences from human-bear interactions. I have also been very pointed in stating that both the progressive conservative and liberal parties have supported this hunt since it was reintroduced in 2014 it is important to recognize that neither of the two major Ontario political parties have backed down in the face of science and common sense. I want to thank Mike for joining me on this call, as well as his leadership on the issue and support in the fur bears creating our action page. And I want to thank you for listening. It means the world to me when I hear from people on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter who have listened to an episode and decided to take action – or shared it with someone during an argument, or who got one of my lame, deep-cut sci-fi jokes that are often buried in interviews. You can follow me on social, at Defender Radio on Facebook and Twitter, and at Howie Michael on Instagram. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and The Fur Bears, reminding you to be kind, and to stay informed and stay strong.